This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is Here, The Talking Dead, episode number 285, recorded Sunday, October 9th, 2016. It sure is. It's uh, 285. It is before 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. It's early, early in the morning, Jason. Uh, okay. And I don't, I don't, maybe not for you, <laughs> but I don't quite feel I'm 100% awake yet. And uh, here we are. Have you had coffee, Christopher? No, I'm having a tea right now. You're having a tea. I'm drinking a coffee right now from the old uh, Tim Hortons. Or as uh, as I like to call it, if I want to Game of Thronesify it, I usually refer to it as Hortinians. <laughs> Hortinians, very good. Yes. I see you. You know, you you get up early. Your 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 son wakes you up in the middle of the night. Probably, you always make time to leave your house and go out to Tim Hortons. Damn. Damn right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, <laughs> it's not I'm not far. No, I I understand. I'm not a big coffee drinker myself, so I got some tea, and uh, we are good to go. Well, here's the kicker. Usually, I drink my own coffee. I make coffee and drink it, but we ran out of sugar, oh and I God. forgot to go to the store and buy more sugar yesterday. And I'll be damned if I'm going to put honey in my coffee. Oh God, I wouldn't. Want, I wouldn't want anyone to do that. So that's why I made a, a specific trip to Tim Hortons this morning. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. Everyone sounds like we have what we need. And we are here today to uh, do some listener feedback for the season finale of Fear the Walking Dead, which was last week. And uh, first, though, let's take a look at the ratings for those two episodes. Season two, episode 14 was 3.67 million viewers. Pretty steady. And then here's the one that surprises me a little bit season two episode 15 which aired right after it back to back 3.05 million so a lot of people were like fuck this shit i'm going to watch i don't know what something Stranger things uh well maybe or uh westworld on hbo premiered last week i don't know if it was at nine or ten but um i think that was last week wasn't it yeah i think so yeah a anyways yeah that's what i don't get like who sits there through the first one and is like nah that's it i'm turning this off i'm not going to watch the second one westworld might have something to do with it that's actually a really good theory it could you know, it's been it's been they spent a lot of money on that and they pushed the living crap out of it advertising wise so yeah. i'm not surprised that people bail to go i'm going to go check out this new awesome show uh i can catch the finale of this thing any old time I guess so. I mean, the only other thing I could think of was people who don't know it's a two double episodes. So they watch the first one. And even though AMC runs them right through into the second half. There was a counter. There was a countdown at the end of it going the next episode in 10, 9, 8. What? No, I don't remember seeing that. Oh, on the version I watched, there was a countdown. Okay. Well, anyways, I'm pretty sure they, they showed the beginning of the next episode over the credits for the last one. Anyways. I just thought maybe some people were turning turning it off, not realizing that it was a, a two-parter, but I guess there are a lot of things that could have happened. Maybe some people get tired, have to go to bed, and figure I'll watch it tomorrow. Or you're right, Westworld was too much of a draw. I don't know. Anyways, 3.67 and 3.05, so they finished about you know in line with where they had been for the whole second half of the season. And uh, we'll pick up the ratings discussion again next season with uh, season three. That would be when? 
August? Um, cause that's, yeah, because this premiered right around the time. Actually, the no, date. it's earlier Jazz. than that. You sure? The second. Well, oh, that was the second part. You're right. Yeah, that was the second part. Right. So they 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 pick this up right after the main show ends, which would be in like April sometime. They run through, then take the summer off, and then the second half comes back in August. Late yeah, August. yeah, that's what happened. That's right. I know your timeline is all messed up. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like seven years ago, yet it happened uh, pretty much this morning. Pretty much, pretty much. Okay, let's dive into our feedback for Fear the Walking Dead Season 2. Listener feedback. All right, first one here is an email from Sean in Richmond, Virginia. Sean says, hey guys, heard you questioning why they put the last two episodes together. I believe it was so they wouldn't have to compete with the second presidential debate. That is scheduled for next Sunday at 9, so I think you're right it, right in that it was going to be two episodes until the debate was announced. And by next Sunday at 9, he means tonight at 9. Right. You don't want to go up against uh, entertainment of that caliber. <laughs> no, you don't. Who Who's going to turn that off? Who's going to turn that train wreck off? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's probably a pretty good theory um but who knows i don't know when that debate was announced it might have been you know right during uh right during the second half of the season and then they decided well yeah we're not gonna go against that let's put these two in the same night and get this over with yep let's get her done all right next we have a call from christine in northwest england hi guys it's christine calling in from northwest england just wanted to give some feedback about the finale i really enjoyed it overall it, of course, wasn't without its what-the-crap moments, but still very solid. I love Travis, and now that he has some blood on his hands, I'm pretty excited to see how his character is going to evolve next season. At the end, though, I could not stop laughing about the wannabe Minutemen militia that still appear to be watching over the border. Trump could totally use this as a campaign slogan. Even with zombies about, we must keep the Mexicans out. Anyway, <laughs> keep up the great work, guys. Bye. Thank you, Christine. Uh, Maybe they should have aired it uh, right next to the debate. That would have <laughs> melded right in there. Would have worked. Would have worked well. Yes, but I like her campaign slogan. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if I was Donald Trump, I feel like I might like her campaign slogan. <laughs> Let's put yeah. it that way. So, yeah. I don't know. Thank you, Christine. Zach in Bulls Gap, Tennessee, writes: Congratulations to you and yours, Jason. Thank you. As a father of three girls, ages eight, nine, and eleven, I can honestly say it gets much easier. Then harder, then easier, then harder again. Anyways, I hope all is well. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I can uh, attest to that sentiment. Zach goes on. Something that bothered me in this episode. After they cut open Oscar's skull and decided he was dead, they destroyed Oscar's brain by simply pushing the tip of a box cutter in there. I'm pretty sure we've seen far worse off walkers over the years still going strong. That didn't make much sense to me. Well... Well, as long as you touch the brain with something, finger, uh, a Nerf baseball bat, whatever, uh, the zombie dies. Yeah. That's the rule, right? It, it does kind of seem to be the rule. Um, most zombies are killed by a knife through the eye socket or the temple or in the, the back or something or the ear. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it was like a one inch, maybe less than one inch box cutter blade just gently into the top. And that was that. Maybe that's the uh, the zombie center of the brain. They knew exactly where the zombie center was, and they had to relieve the pressure from the zombie center, or he would become a zombie. And then when that didn't work, they just you know needed to cut off just a little bit of the zombie center and 
that would uh, that would do it. I don't know. It did seem a little bit questionable that not more damage was done. Uh, so I don't know. But or maybe we just didn't see it. Maybe they poked that in. And they thought, oh, everything's fine because they don't know what they're doing. And then they turn around and he gets up and then they had to fight him off. I'd stick a fork in there and like mush it all around and make you know, brain soup just to make sure. That sounds gross, man. It's personal. It's just a personal preference. Brain soup. Yeah. Mm, yummy. Or well, more of a chowder. Oh, God. It's <laughs> a bit chunky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's nasty. Well, I think maybe a, make your chowder with a sledgehammer and you're probably going to destroy that brain just well yeah. enough. Yeah, like a latke or a pancake or some kind. Right. All right. Next, we have uh, Frank on the internet. My auntie had a portion of her skull removed. It's really debilitating, prone to lots of infection, and there's no coming back whatsoever without 50% or total paralysis. I hate to say it, but Oscar was way better off dying on the operating table. Um. Okay. Well, I here's what I think. Um. I don't know about Frank's claims that you don't come back from part of your skull being removed without total paralysis or at least 50%. I'm pretty sure in this day and age, they can do skull operations without paralyzing you. Not with a friggin' DeWalt power drill. Oh, definitely not. The second half of my point is in the zombie apocalypse, I think he's absolutely right. You're way better off being dead yeah. than having part of your skull removed with a drill. Yeah, he's got, uh, it seems like there's a lot of pressure on his brain and he's got a, a severe concussion. I think the, uh, what we should do is do the Gilligan's Island way of treating concussions is uh, bash his head really hard with something in the hopes that it'll fix it. <laughs> Worst case scenario, he just dies. You unconcussion him with another hit to the head. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's more of a cure for amnesia, but I'm thinking, you know, uh, severe concussion. You know, what's the harm? You're in the zombie apocalypse. He's got a severe concussion. The only way to fix it is to uh, bash his head with a sledgehammer. That's right. It's the um, Cousin Eddie approach to head injuries. Falls, gets kicked by a mule, eyes go crossed. Falls down a well, eyes go back to normal. That's right. <laughs> I may have got that backwards, but it's, you know, same thing. One, one problem solves another. That's right. It's the, uh, the source of and solution to your problem. <laughs> I thought that was alcohol. <laughs> That's the solution to all life's problems. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just talking about this specific head injury problem. All right. Get bonked in the head. <laughs> Ed concussion, get bonked in the head, go back to normal. That's right. Uh, thanks, Frank. Corey in Indiana writes, was Chris's death the worst character death we have ever seen, possibly on either show? I hated Chris for the way he acted and assumed his future death would bring me joy. However, it didn't. Something about him dying away from our core characters and his fate being portrayed in flashbacks caused me to mourn the character more than ever before. So Corey is... Sort of uh, on, it sounds like of two minds here. On one, hated Chris, wanted to see him die. And then the stupid show made Chris seem sympathetic all of a sudden at the end. Yeah, shows do that. Before they kill characters, they make them sympathetic. You know what? I, I can see that here, but I don't really feel like they successfully did it for me. I did not feel that bad about Chris's death on this show, personally. No, me neither, frankly, because it, it was it's kind of inevitable that he, he would die. Like you, I think you even predicted that he would die. Yeah. I, I don't think it was really that much of a prediction. Like someone was going to die. Come on. And Chris seemed like a pretty good candidate. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it, uh, no, I don't, I, I, I agree with you, Chris. It didn't, uh, it didn't phase me. I didn't feel much sympathy for him. I'm like, well, he's dead. Yeah, exactly. He's dead. He was a dick. He sort of, uh, had it coming 
and um, I don't I don't feel that bad. I feel much worse for Travis. In fact, Chris's death on the show was much more about Travis and what it's going to do to him and how it's going to change him and you know how he will have to deal with that. I think and. Uh, so we don't care about Chris so much. We care about Travis. He, Chris's character was there simply to make us feel for Travis and be invested in what's going to happen for him. I'm pretty sure that's what they were going for. Right. That could be. Could be. All right. Where are we? Joe from Nashville? Correct. Excellent. We have an email from Joe from Nashville. He's a first-time writer. When Chris crashed his truck, the bros were laying in the back. Uh, if there was an impact that hurt Chris, the driver, it would most certainly kill anyone sleeping in the back of the truck unprotected. The passengers would just go flying. I feel it was extremely unlikely that the driver would be more injured than the people in laying down in the back. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that when that truck hits the uh, the ramp to flip over, um, those guys are no longer in the back already somehow. I don't know. Uh, if they saw it coming and jumped out, but I don't think so. I'm pretty much with Joe, though. If they were just lying there, loose, asleep, and that thing flipped and rolled that much, there's no way those guys would survive that. Well, I do know of a guy when I first moved to Toronto back in the early 90s who was on a road trip in the States in, uh, it was in an SUV of some kind or, uh, yeah, it was on a road trip. He was sleeping, lying down on one of the seats in the back, and they had all the windows open, and the truck rolled like four times. Mm -hmm. uh, something happened. I'm not sure what happened, but he was completely ejected from the vehicle and was fine. He landed on something soft, did not hit a tree, did not run into something. Uh, he tumbled a couple of times in the truck and got extremely lucky and thrown out the window and was, I think he had some scrapes and bruises, but no broken bones, no sprains, nothing like that. He was fine. So it all depends on the situation. Rolling, uh, being ejected can sometimes be awesome, can sometimes have you go flying into a wall. It all mm -hmm. depends on uh, exactly what's around you and what the circumstances are. I guess it's possible. I mean, if they were super lucky and they just kind of fell out and landed on the ground before the truck started spinning and rolling and crashing into stuff. It all depends on, you know, how they were ejected and what they landed on. Yeah. You know, if, uh, if you know, the, the truck rolled in the middle of a marshmallow factory, they might be okay, <laughs> depending on, uh, you know, maybe a marshmallow storage facility, because the factory would have, like, machines and stuff. But I'm thinking of a, you know, a large marshmallow silo. Do they have those? <laughs> I assume they have those. Yeah, they, they, I, why wouldn't they have marshmallow silos? <laughs> yeah, so if it crashed inside a marshmallow silo, I think they'd be okay. Maybe. Marshmallow and pillow, pillow storage. Silo. Yeah, that's right, because they, they store pillows in silos, too. Of course. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, I suppose if they were just really lucky. I, I think it's fairly unlikely, though, that both guys lying back there would escape that crash unscathed, but why not? I mean, they needed to be alive. They needed to be able to walk up to the truck as Chris was climbing out and then shoot him in the head. So that's why they were alive right there. Yeah. And they needed to be alive so they could be beaten to death later on by Travis. That's true. Right? So. Well, yeah, that's, you know, you got the, you got your plot device shield. That's how you survive is that you're, you're now a plot device. Mm-hmm. They were wearing it. They took it off when they felt comfortable at the hotel. And then that was a mistake. You know what my problem is? Nope. I'm never going to be a plot device. That's right. <laughs> I am totally an NPC and I will never be part of any plot 
I'm not I'm not even a plot device in my own life. <laughs> my own life. Well, yeah, my life, but that doesn't matter because that doesn't give me the plot device shield. I'm not going to survive in order to further the world's plot. plot right? No, I guess so, not. Yeah, totally you know, will never happen. You never know. Maybe you'll become extremely important later in life and you uh, will be necessary for humanity's survival. I think the, the highest dream I could ever uh, have and the highest level I could ever attain is to have a walk-on part. Just maybe <laughs> the plot, the guys that the plot is centered around will walk past me and I'll be in the background somewhere. Or or they'll bump into you as they pass you on the street and you'll you'll say, excuse me. Oh, uh, no, I won't get a line. Yo, no, I won't, I won't get a line. I'll be, a, I'll have a walk-on and that's about it. <laughs> All right. You, your character won't have a name. That's how you know it's a walk-on. That's right. That guy over there, number four. <laughs> that's right. Homeless guy, number four. <laughs> oh, I hope, I hope that's not true. That's Jason. Oh, man. All right. Moving on. Where are we? Uh, is it me? Oh, it's me. Yeah, it's you. Sorry. Matthew in Hong Kong. The scene where the banditos come into the colonia, they must have had 20 plus guys that were heavily armed. They were able to go through the bus and into the camp with only firing a few shots. Yet when the herd starts to come into the colonia, how is it that these 20 tough guys aren't able to mow down the herd? From a strategic standpoint, they could not have been in a better position. The group was elevated and the herd was forced to funnel up the stairs, attacking from one way in front of them, yet they were still overtaken. I feel this was just an easy way for the writers to move the group, get rid of the bad guys, and have some walkers in the show. I kept thinking that if this was Rick in the group, they would have gotten through the herd and into the bus without firing a single shot. I agree with you, except for the Rick and the gang part, because the Rick and the gang part today, with with the experience that Rick and the gang has two or three years after the initiation of the zombie apocalypse, but these guys don't have that experience yet. Right? That's right. So, and they didn't, they never got the chance. You know, if Rick and those people at this point, Rick was still in a coma, yes? Um, well, maybe, maybe recently out of it, yeah. Yeah, okay. So if he was recently out of the coma and he got into this situation, he might survive, he might not. Well, it mm -hmm. depends on whether he has that bag of guns. If he, <laughs> if he's at the point where he has the bag of guns, he's fine. Yeah. But if it's before the bag of guns, uh, he may not survive, but yes, I absolutely agree with you, Matthew, in that, uh, it seemed a little far-fetched that they'd come through this, oh no, we have a whole gang of people with guns and these zombies are coming through this small opening in this fence. Whatever shall we do? Mm -hmm. Run! Well, that's the thing. Like the, now to be fair, these guys seemed, it's early in the apocalypse, right? Whereas Rick and the gang now, as you said, are well experienced years into it. These guys seemed rather competent right we've seen what they've been doing at their warehouse location and then them entering through the bus made them seem like they knew what they were doing even though at one point it felt like they were surrounded and it was kind of implausible that they'd get through um if you if you sort of go on what they showed us in the episode you could easily assume that okay they have a plan they're organized they know exactly what they're doing then later on um when those zombies are coming in and they're coming up those stairs and they're, they have a good position on them, they seem totally incompetent because they shoot a little and then run away and try to hide. And everyone knows you can't really hide from zombies unless you cover yourself in gore. But I guess they haven't figured that out yet. Right. So I, I get it. Like on one hand, they seem like they know what they're doing. On the other hand, they seem totally incompetent. And it did feel a little bit stupid for them to to give up that position so quickly and so easily. So 
um, I don't know. It was kind of a bit of, you know, writer movement where we needed to move our characters. We needed to get rid of these bad guys because we're about to introduce some new bad guys at the border. And uh, this is just how we're going to do it. I think Matthew's right. If they had just held their ground at least for a while longer at that um, up those stairs and and keep shooting, then they would have started killing zombies. They would have started falling to the ground, creating a zombie barrier and the zombies coming behind them would have been slowed down or they would have tripped over the other bodies and they would have at least been able to buy themselves enough time to escape another way. Right. So, you know, get in the damn bus and back it up. Oh yeah. But I guess they, it's uh, running. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Why would he wouldn't even turn it off? Yeah, you now, just you know you pull the, you you pull pull the guy out of there. You get in. You change the gears into I don't know reverse, and then just plow into the the whatever zombies are there and plug the hole. I mean that is where the zombies were coming from. So even if they could kill enough to create a zombie wall barrier there, there's still a lot milling around. So they might not have gone for the bus, but I still think they could have bought themselves enough time to go and knock down another wall somewhere and climb over. As we've well, said, there had to have been other ways in and out of this place. Yeah. So this is the other side of the coin where you're a plot device, but in this case, you're a plot device. No matter how good you are, no matter how skilled or experienced you are, you're screwed because there's new bad guys coming. That's right. If you're the bad guy, you're the old bad guy and we need the new bad guys. That's right. Yeah. We need you to die in order to further the plot. Plot device, bad guy. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next, we have an email from uh, Laura in Charlotte, North Carolina. Overall, I thought this was a good finale, but there's just one issue I can't seem to get past. When Madison and Travis uh, find the family that was kidnapped from the Colonia in the warehouse, they search them and find the ID. This piece of information somehow leads them to the Colonia location. I have several issues with this. One, there is no way that these people lived in the village before the outbreak. It's It's just nearly implausible. Uh, two, if they did, and they had their address on them, wouldn't Marco have found it and not had to beat them to get the information? And three, how did Madison and Travis magically find the location, and so quickly, wouldn't it have been more plausible for them to hear the gunshots, especially since the gang was firing, uh, with the gang firing them into the air? This would have explained that stupid action. I think Laura makes good points here. So, number one, um, the ID they had on them, if they even would have had ID on them, maybe because they were running away. Um, Let's assume that they lived in that neighborhood before the zombie outbreak. So the address on that ID led them to the right place. Okay, that's Uh, weird, implausible, but it could happen. Right? uh, Yes, but if you (laughs) searched a dead body and found their driver's license and they had had their address on the driver's license, uh, would you assume that that's where they were just prior to coming here like would you assume that that address is still an accurate representation of where they came from well that's what laura is saying it probably isn't but what else do you have to go on yeah (laughs) this this whole situation is ridiculous even you know thinking that the that these people have anything to do with her son is completely ridiculous Mm -hmm. just on on the face of it it's like you're talking about somebody with brown hair that's my son yeah oh my god you haven't you haven't you have an address in your pocket. That's where he is. Let's go. Let's go. No, I understand. I understand. But I'm just trying to put it together in my mind a little bit to see if there's any way that this makes sense. But Laura's second point, uh, even if they did have an address on them, uh, Marco, yeah, you think he would have found that and not had to beat them. Now, he may want have wanted to beat them up anyways. 
He's well, yeah. He's that kind of guy, right? He's a villain. Well, he beats people up. Well, torture is a way of getting information you want, not information that they have. Correct. <laughs> so yeah. he wanted the information, even though he could have just picked it out of their pocket. Right. Because if you don't believe them, you're just going to beat them until you do. So it's the only thing you can get is information that you already know. Yeah, true. So then point number three here, how did Madison and Travis magically find the location so quickly? Yeah, they're not from here. I mean, if it wasn't that close, uh, maybe it was a hand-drawn map. Like maybe ID on in Mexico has a hand, has a drawn map of, of where you are. I don't know. That makes no sense. But like, again, if somebody unfamiliar with where I live found my body somewhere, even, you know, 10 kilometers away, yeah, how would you know which way to go? Doesn't make any sense. Well, you'd have to find a map and then, uh, yeah, it would have an index, I would assume. But yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's like it's not like they have GPS. It's like, Siri, how do I get to, and then fill in the address. It's like, oh, the Colonia is just over the hill. Please take 10 steps forward and turn right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't have any of that. So th- the whole thing, like you said, is is a bit wacky. They needed the people to get there, and they found a lame way to a lame, implausible way to get them on the right path. Um, but the whole gun thing shooting in the air, way more sense. Like, I'm, al- I'm almost tempted in my mind to say, oh, yeah, that's what must have happened because they shot their guns in the air to celebrate. That would have made a lot of noise, and that could have drawn people from all around, including Madison and Travis. Yes. So that must have been why they did that, because it was stupid otherwise. Let's just assume that that's what happened. We'll get all rid of all this other crap, and we'll go with the really better idea, frankly. So we'll just assume that that's what happened. Better, still not amazing idea, but better. Yeah, not amazing. <laughs> okay. The best The best thing would be to have a guide. Hey, I know where your son is. His name is Nick, right? He used to be an addict. Uh, he's over here. Follow me. Yeah, I would have been okay with that. Yeah, let's assume that's what happened. <laughs> okay, fine. Thank you, Laura, for uh, pointing all that out and for proposing a solution that is better than what we got. Yeah. All right, Deirdre in Natick. Massachusetts, I think. Hey, guys, you've been watching shows with zombies and dead people too long, I think. Hmm. That may be true. Uh, The reason Alicia said mom and was so clearly disturbed was because she's still close enough to our normal world to be shocked to see Maddie and Travis digging through the pockets of dead human beings, including a child. Maddie's only comment was, oh, these are the people who talked about Nick. So is she is so far gone to the side of violence as a way of coping that she is neither shocked at the execution and torture of that family, nor aware enough of their humanity to treat their bodies with respect. Maddie and Travis have now killed live humans and are losing a bit of their own humanity, empathy, and compassion. Alicia is stronger than she was and more mature, and she'll do what needs to be done. Uh, and she has not become cold or ruthless the way her mom has. I'd be shocked too. Uh, I might be. I yeah. mean, like, you know, like you say, Deirdre, uh, maybe I've watched way too many zombie shows and played too many video games where rooting through the, the, uh, the clothing of people I've just killed or dead bodies is a normal <laughs> everyday activity. So, much. uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I, I'm too far gone. It's possible. Um, I still I, here's what, how I feel. I think everything Deirdre says is, could be correct, seems plausible, but within the context of this episode, it didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I wasn't, it, the episode didn't portray the fact that if this is why 
Alicia was shocked. It didn't really portray that fact. And it didn't give us any other information as to why she might be upset either, including, you know, what we speculated last time, which was that she she sees her mom single mindedly focused on finding Nick again instead of trying to be with and protect the people that are actually with her, you know, Um and and we didn't get that either. So I just I just felt like something was missing. Like there was a there was a scene that was cut. There was a conversation that we didn't see, or something happened that had to be cut for time, and it kind of messed up this scene a little bit. I don't know for sure about that, but that's what it feels like to me. So, you know, having to make up these reasons or try to fill in the blanks is not, in this case, not great. I mean, I know they don't have to show us everything, and and there should be lots of onus on the on the viewer of a TV show to be able to fill things in themselves. But here it just felt awkward and it didn't really work for me. So I still don't really know why Alicia was so weirded out in that scene. And I'd like it if the show clarified it for me, but they're not going to, cause we've moved past it. Maybe in the Blu-ray we'll have uh, deleted scenes that we can go over and go, Oh, that makes sense. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. They could put, throw it on the Blu-ray, do a, an extended cut and, uh, and fix it. Yeah, they should have a whole uh, uh, mini documentary on uh, things we fucked up, and here are the scenes that would fix them. (laughs) Sure. I don't know if that's uh, exactly how they're going to uh, frame it, but maybe. Why not? (laughs) I I think it would be a a nice, refreshing, honest look at uh, stuff that they left on the cutting room floor. This is what we did, why we did it, and uh, how we can fix it, or how we should have fixed it. Mm Mm-hmm. Next, we have an email from John from The Machine. That's a really good name. From The Machine. Yes. Why did Travis, Alicia, and Madison crash through the gate? That doesn't make any sense. They just (laughs) crippled all that they worked for at the hotel. I know they were leaving and not planning on coming back, but they didn't have to be dicks about it. Just seems like a D-bag move to break through the fence, leaving a big hole in the wall. The hotel could have still uh, been a good terminus. I bet Victor was standing there saying, the, why the F did you do that? I could have just opened the gate. <laughs> yeah, there was a guy standing there. I mean, I guess he wasn't that close to the gate, but he could have got over there, opened it, let them go, and then closed it. Instead, they crash through and destroy their only line of defense. Yes. But you know what? That's a TV and movie thing. How many times have people just crashed through gates because the gate is there and they're driving and they need to get away as fast as possible? Yes. And how many people believe that they can successfully crash through gates quite easily and then get caught up in the gate because that's ridiculous? I've I've wondered this myself. Is it that easy for cars to smash open a gate and continue driving? Or if I tried that in real life, would I smash into that gate and put myself through the windshield? I believe uh, some empirical evidence is necessary and that, uh, six, uh, you know, uh, experimentation is required. So, Chris, uh, you should do that. No, I don't see that happening. I just want to know. There's got to be a gate expert out there somewhere. Probably depends on the quality of the gate and the quality of the lock holding the gate shut and the speed and size of the vehicle you hit it with. Uh, but what we need is the Mythbusters to tackle this problem and crash some cars through gates and find out what works and what doesn't. True. Yeah, or I bet you there's a YouTube channel dedicated, to, you know, to people <laughs> trying to crash through gates and not being successful. Huh. Let's. I'm going to search that up later because I bet I think you might be right. YouTube has everything. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. There's like a hundred thousand hours of videos put up every hour or something. It's like crazy. You cannot watch all of YouTube. You can't do it. 
No, it's not no. humanly possible. It's just like you can't wa- read all the books or watch all the movies ever created. It's not humanly possible. But you're right. It's something like 100,000 hours a second or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, the, the thing is, you wouldn't want to watch it all because 99.9% of it is total crap. Absolutely total crap. With that much content going up, there's no way it's all good stuff. That's true. But there is good stuff. Oh, yeah. There's plenty. plenty I've gone into a YouTube spiral many times. What like, I'll just watch one more and then I'll go to bed. It's like three o'clock in the morning. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might as well just stay up all night now. Yeah. <laughs> I got to watch. recently, but no. it's happened. Oh, it's happened to me too. Uh, all right. Me next, right? Yeah. Cheryl in Palmdale, California. Cheryl writes, Travis is a pacifist, is the pacifist of the show. But what if his pacifism was born from violence rather than from true passion for peace? What I mean is, in season one, Travis mentions that he has been in a lot of fights. Maybe uncontrolled, violent Travis is the real Travis. Maybe we have only been seeing him the way he wants to be versus who he really is at his core. Mm. That's a good point. Um, You know, our next email has to do with something that is a little inconsistent as well. But with Travis, that's right. He says in season one he's been in a lot of fights, which doesn't really seem to jive with his feeling feelings about Chris before, you know, as Chris is going down the dark path there. Um, and then Travis snaps and he's super violent and he kills people. Maybe that's more his tendency, but he's trying to suppress that, which is weird in the zombie apocalypse. But, you know, he sees it as an opportunity to change for the better. Maybe he's, he's a berserker and he doesn't like it. I mean, it happens, right? You don't get to choose your character in the real world. <laughs> No, not well, this is real, but, uh, you know, maybe when he goes berserk, he just sees red and he becomes the Hulk. The Hulk is not happy about being the Hulk. I mean, Bruce Banner doesn't like the Hulk. No. He tries to avoid being the Hulk. So maybe that's, uh, that's the whole thing is that he knows that he has this capability of going berserk and being ultra violent and, uh, he's trying to avoid it. That makes a lot of sense. Like he, he, this is how he is. Um, and he, and he doesn't like being that way. And that's why he says, I've been in a lot of fights, but it's not good. It's not a good thing. You don't want to be like me. And so he tries to suppress it. But then when something like this happens, the Hulk comes out and he just can't control it. Yeah. He can, he can punch people into outer space too, I bet. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, he didn't turn green or anything. (laughs) Okay. The the Hulk (laughs) can do that, right? He can punch people into outer space. I'm not a Hulk uh, expert in any way, shape, or form. I've seen the movies, and I know that there are things in the comic books that we have not seen in the movies, but I am not an expert in any way, shape, or form. All right. I think the Hulk is strong enough to punch people into, into orbit, which would be well, wouldn't, awesome. Wouldn't they just become a pulpy mess long before that? Like, who, well, who's he punching, right? Is he punching Iron Man in the orbit in, in the suit? That might work. But if he's just punching a normal human, you can't punch a human into space because they would be a pink mist long before they get anywhere near orbit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. The force of that punch would just just disintegrate you. Yeah. If, you're, if he's punching Thor, fine. Mm-hmm. Like, just fine. I'm fine with Thor going into space. But, uh, you know, if he's punching uh, Pepper Potts, forget it. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. I'm I'm, I'm not uh, determining who he's punching. I'm just saying if he's able to punch someone who can survive the impact of the punch, yeah. uh, he can put enough force into that punch to launch them into space. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that overall. Iron Man, Thor, uh, probably Superman, but that's a that's a different universe. Oh, that's that's a whole you know that's a whole thing. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Superman might be the exception. Anyhow, uh, Travis, he's the Hulk, and he doesn't like it. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a zombie Hulk. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> All right, next we have an email from Jenna in Pierre, South Dakota. I have a big problem with Madison's story about her husband for a long time now. The writers, I think, have made a mistake. In Season 1, Episode 3, The Dog, Madison is talking with Travis's ex-wife, a little over halfway through the episode, about her neighbor Suzanne, and she tells her, she watched my kids when I went to work, took care of me when my husband died. Uh to me, the way Madison says says this implies that she, uh, sorry, implies that her husband died when Nick and Alicia were young. But then, as you know from season two, she went uh, she went to break the news to the death to Nick when he was in rehab. Not obviously not a small child. Am I the only person that is bothered by this? Uh, it seems a little bit inconsistent because the phrase "Yeah, she watched my kids when I went to work" implies that they're too young to stay home by themselves. But obviously, Nick was not. He was maybe too uh, drug addicted to stay home by himself. But we know now that Alicia was the one keeping the family together and she's not that far off in age from Nick, a little bit younger. So inconsistent or just, you know, are Madison's kids kind of troubled and she doesn't really mean that the neighbor watched them as in babysat them, but was just there to help out or keep an eye on things while she wasn't around. Well, yeah, maybe she was totally a helicopter parent, and even though her kids were, you know, 20 years old, she got the neighbors to look in on them because she didn't trust her kids and thinks that they're going to swallow tax. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, maybe they aren't little kids. They're just kids that need a helping hand. <laughs> right? Well, so. yes, I think this this is a continuity issue, and I think that uh, you're absolutely right that uh, uh, this is something that they missed. Or they, you know, they retconned it in, in, into reality. That's that's what I think more more of it is. They they maybe hadn't quite figured out Madison's husband's uh, story yet in season one. Uh, so you know they were little at that time, but then but then when they wanted to tell his story, they decided no, they were going to be older because it impacts the child, the kids a little bit more and stuff like that. So uh, that's that's what it is. Some a little retconning. Fear the Walking Dead retcon. Yep. Um, All right, we got a few more here. Adam in Texas writes, Wow, a lot to take in. Lots and lots of closure. Chris killed, douches dealt with, Strand stayed behind, Alejandro adiosed, Cholos chomped, Ophelia, oh, captured. (laughs) Sorry, best I could do. Great finale and set up for next season. (laughs) Oh, captured. (laughs) Ophelia was oh, captured. That's right. (laughs) So there you go. All right, read the last uh, two together, Jason. All right, so Noop J in Texas. I am so sorry to see Chris killed off like that, said no one ever. Nobody. (laughs) And Steve on the internet. Shit, holy God, that was amazing. Those two episodes were amazing. Nicely done, Fear the Walking Dead. Nicely done. So there you go. Just last couple of short, quick thoughts there. Um, I shouldn't say, or we shouldn't say that no one ever said they were sorry to see Chris killed off like that because earlier on we had uh, Corey in Indiana say that uh, they mourned. For Chris, which I guess a few people did. Well, I mean, if you can, you can say said no one ever. Maybe he can just dismiss people that actually did say that and say, and say that they're not people. <laughs> they're not. Don't, people. They don't count. They're not people. No, of course. Okay, let's uh, end here with a call from Charles in San Francisco. Hey guys, um, this is uh, Charles in San Francisco. Um, oh my God, Chris is finally dead. I. <laughs> Ecstatic! I cannot be any happier about this. I, the, 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 I never liked the character from the beginning. 
and uh, I'm just so glad that Chris is dead. And I mean, the angsty, murdery teenage Chris from the show, not not, not Chris from the show. <laughs> um, anyway, um, uh, what else? Travis all raging on those two dickheads was amazing. I I haven't gotten a better feeling of well-deserved comeuppance since the 1985 Australian movie Fortress. Um, good kick to the head. That's what this show needed. And maybe we need more murder in these shows. Oh, right. Lucille. Glenn. I, I guess we'll get that soon enough. Um, I guess it's nice that the whole family is bonding via murder. All right. Charles and SF out. Peace. Thank you, Charles. So, uh, more murder? More murder. murder. <laughs> what? Murder bonding. That's right. Murder bonding. So... <laughs> Um, all right. Thanks, Charles, for that email. Uh, another person who was super glad to see Chris dead. So yeah. they are out there. Um, and I wanted to finish off with that because he makes a reference to something we're going to see in a couple of weeks there, Jason, when The Walking Dead comes back for season seven. Do you honestly think that that's going to be uh, in the uh, they're not just going to go on to something else for the uh, the first episode? They're going to like show Tara uh you know her adventures in the first episode and they're going to skip it well the second episode okay i'm pretty sure they're not um they've 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 basically said that they are going to show us this in the first episode they've told us that we're going to find out they're not going to make us wait i think if there had been no outrage over the whole thing maybe they would have done something like that but you know outrage got results and i think they're going to jump right in right can you imagine us. the shitstorm if they Tried that? Oh, I, <laughs> the amount of hate watching would be astounding. <laughs> you know, it would just not make any, it would just be off the charts. So I played that at the end there from Charles because I wanted to lead into this discussion a little bit. So The Walking Dead is back in two weeks. We will finally get the resolution to our cliffhanger of who did Negan kill? And I thought we might as well revisit our predictions see if anything has changed uh, i don't know if we officially made predictions but i'm sure we talked about it at the end of season six um and then let's just put it down on paper who we think it's going to be and see if we are right or wrong in a couple of weeks when the show comes back now before we do that i want to first give you a reminder of who is in that lineup and then give you some more information that we have at this point Oh, wait, but I got to make my prediction because I don't like more information. Okay. Don't give me more information, but just do the reminder. I'll make a prediction, then give me more information, and then I may uh, adjust and revise. Okay, uh, fine. So the reminder of who is there from Negan's perspective from left to right, we've got Glenn, Rosita, Daryl, Michonne, Abe, Maggie, Rick, Sasha, Aaron, Carl, and Eugene. That's the lineup. And that's from Negan standing in front of them, looking at them. So before I tell you the additional information that we have, who do you think it's going to be? I'm on the fence, uh, but I, uh, I've, I've done a lot of thinking about this over the last couple of months. I've, uh, I've sat down uh, every day for about an hour to conceive, uh, <laughs> try and figure out who exactly uh, is going to die. And I'm, I've narrowed it down to two, but I'm going to make a, I'm going to get off the fence and I'm going to say it's Sasha. Sasha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who was your other one? Uh, Rosita. 
Sasha or Rosita. So you're going with secondary characters. Oh yeah, I'm going with secondary characters, and I just I think that the uh, the whole Abraham Sasha Rosita love triangle bullshit that's going on mm-hmm. is uh, it played a kind of it's sort of raised in importance over the last couple of weeks of the uh, of the season. Yeah, and I think the reason for it is this. Okay, that that could be you could be right on track there. I don't know. Um, just in terms of who I think is primary and who I think is secondary, obviously Glenn, Daryl, Michonne. Maggie, Rick, Carl are primary characters, and the rest being Rosita, Abraham, uh, Sasha, Aaron, and Eugene being sort of secondary characters. Now, sometimes they bring them to the forefront and so on, or sometimes we don't see Maggie for entire seasons. I get it, but I still consider them uh, primary characters. So, um, okay, your prediction is Sasha. My prediction sort of and I've been feeling this all through the summer is that it would likely be Abraham for similar reasons to you. They've kind of brought him to the forefront. He's, he's a strong, big dude and Negan might want to take down that guy to make a point. Um, During the finale, you know, he hits the person and we hear Negan say, taking it like a champ. And I feel like Abe would be somebody who could, you know, get hit in the head with a baseball bat and not immediately fall flat on his face to the ground, whereas some of these other characters might not be able to do that. So I was I've been thinking Abraham this whole time. Um, And I think that's on one hand still my my guess. Um, But we do have some additional information at this point. And before I spit it out there, it's not spoilery, but I do want to let people know that this comes from the Walking Dead panel at New York Comic Con, which was last night. Uh, Saturday, October the 8th, um, they showed a scene. They showed a scene from the opening episode, uh, which they tend to do. And if you don't want to hear anything about it, then you should probably drop off right now. Just keep in mind that Jason's prediction is Sasha. Mine is Abraham. um, And we'll find out in a couple of weeks who it is. But if you do want to hear about it, they showed this scene at New York Comic Con. And it is a scene from the premiere, and it involves a conversation between Negan and Rick. It's happening while they're still out there in the lineup, but it is post-beating to death. You see, so it's Lu- not Rick. It's not Rick. <laughs> right. <laughs> we know it's not Rick. Um, we see Lucille covered in, in blood, so we know that this has happened. And at the very end of the scene, the camera pans down to a bunch of goop and brainy looking material on the ground. So the, the beating, the murder has, has taken place at this point. And Negan is sort of talking to Rick and uh, Rick says, I'm going to kill you. And Negan laughs and Rick says, might not be today, might not be tomorrow, but I'm going to kill you. But soon and for the rest of your life. That's right. <laughs> um, so, and there's a few other things about this scene. In the season six finale, Rick's face is relatively clean. There's no blood on his face. In this scene, there's a big streak of blood across the right side of his face. Oh, positioning information. Positioning information. This implies to me that somebody to his right got the beat down. And that would be to Negan's left if he's standing in front of Nick. Uh, Rick. <laughs> right. Nick not and Rick. Nick. No. Nick's not there. <laughs> Nick is not there. He's somewhere in Mexico still. Um, so to Rick's right is Maggie in order. Maggie, Abraham, Michonne, 
Daryl, Rosita, and Glenn. There's a lot of big characters in that in that list right there. To me, Glenn, Rosita, Daryl, and Michonne feel like they're too far away. I don't feel like the blood would spray that far. I don't know. This is The Walking Dead. Things can get really splattery. It can. It can. And, and, you know, we don't know that maybe he flicks the blood off the bat and it sprays all over everybody. That could be it. Um, But I still feel like those guys, if especially Glenn, is just too far away. He's right on the end. He's separated a little bit. Uh, I, I don't feel like it would, it would cause blood to spray onto Rick. So for me, that's Maggie and Abraham, the two that are right beside Rick. And then to further this at the end of this scene, Negan grabs Rick and, uh, drags him out of the lineup towards that RV that Negan originally walked out of. And we see him in one shot, drag Rick away and then, and then the camera pans straight back down to this pile of goop on the ground, which seems like it was right in front of where Rick was, which you would think means that the person who got the beatdown had to have been right there, which right next to uh, Rick is um, Maggie and then Abraham. So it makes me think that it's likely still Abraham, but could be Maggie as well. I don't think it's Maggie. Well, I don't think so either. I have a hard time feeling like they'd kill off Maggie. But boy, if they like to kill one character to affect another one, there is no better pairing than Maggie and and Glenn. So if Glenn is still alive, he is in rough shape, I bet, right now. Yeah. So I'm going to have to... I'm saying Abraham's a good guess. Yeah. The other thing is Sasha is right on the other side of Rick, so it doesn't really line up with the blood splatter, but she's right there, so it could. Maybe Rick turns work. around. Maybe he can't stomach it, and he turns he turns completely around and gets the, the blood on the other side. Except he'd have to face her to turn around to look at her, but maybe he does, right? He's like, Maybe he does. He turns to look to see what's going on. So we don't know. We have no idea what it's going to be, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Abraham. I thought also that it might, before I saw this scene, I was, I was leaning more towards Glenn getting the beat down, but... After seeing this, I'm not so sure. I don't think it's Glenn anymore. I'm going with Abe, maybe Maggie, um, but I don't think your Sasha prediction is way off either. Yeah. So that's it. That is it. I don't know. If you want to make any predictions, send us your thoughts, send us your emails. Do you think if there's, if you watch this scene from New York Comic Con, which I posted on our Facebook page, um, check it out, see if you notice anything else in there that could give it away or come you know cause you to come up with any more theories would love to hear them so uh check that out um i do think though after watching this scene i am going to as i said in the facebook post i'm going to love to hate negan (laughs) he jeffrey dean morgan is so good and i you know he's gonna make a great super bad guy uh i'm gonna hate him but i'm gonna love hating him i think i think so too i've i've always been i've always ever since i've knew who he was, which hasn't been that long, frankly. No. Uh, I've liked him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a great actor. He's, uh, my wife is in love with him and he's been in a lot of good stuff and he's going to make oh, a fantastic. Oh, my mom Negan. loves him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My mom thinks he's sex on legs. Well, that's nice. <laughs> and I don't disagree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm hoping I get to meet him down at Walker Stalker Con Atlanta in a few weeks. Oh, see, 
That's a one way. If I could go down there and get his autograph and a picture with him, I think that would drive my mom nuts. But I can't go. You're still invited. You're still invited. Now I am going with my wife, so you'd have to bunk in a hotel room with us. But uh, I, that's fine. De- declined. <laughs> right, Come flat on. out declined. I don't think it would be weird, although I do think I got a single bedroom, so maybe a little weird. I could just curl up on the end of the bed, right? Yeah, like a cat. Or we could yeah. get a cot for you. No, no. I just... <laughs> Sleep on the end of the bed, it'll be fine. Okay. I mean, as long as it's weird, we might as well make it really weird. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> might as well go full weird. I'm not going to crawl into the, you know, full weird would be like crawling into bed with you, but that's one kind of weird. Sleeping on the end of the bed like a cat is a whole different kind of weird. Definitely a Definitely a variety of weird, yeah. That's, that's a right. Eugene type of weird, Oof. is what that is. Or standing in the closet, maybe, would be yeah, a Eugene I weird. sleep in the closet with the door just a little bit open. <laughs> that's right, and not really sleep. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I'm looking forward to meeting him down there. I hope we get a chance to. I'm going to be moderating a couple of panels, which will be fun, including. Actually, I shouldn't announce it yet. It's not. Uh, it's not public knowledge yet. So keep nice. an eye. Keep including an eye. Including secrets. Yeah. Sorry, I almost let slip there. Keep an eye on WalkerStalkerCon.com/slash Atlanta. I think for that. Um, but I will be moderating a couple of panels, so it will be fun. And uh, this is, no, not our last podcast before we go down, uh, but it is our last podcast before season seven starts. So that's why I wanted to get in this chat about Negan one more time. Um, but I was going to say, if you're down at Walker Stalker in Atlanta, let's hang out. Let's have a beer. It's going to be fun. I'm sure there'll be some sort of meetup. Uh, Jason from the uh, Walking Dead cast and I, We'll be hanging out, hopefully getting together with a lot of listeners. So it's going to be a good time if you're in the neighborhood. Let the good times roll. We certainly will. All right. That is going to wrap it up. There's one more thing I just wanted to mention before we we finish it for the for the day here. And this has to do with another podcast I've discovered recently that I, I wanted to talk about really quick. And uh, it has nothing to do with The Walking Dead, but it is something I've been really, really enjoying the last little while. And sometimes when I find something that I really like, I just want to tell people about it. Cool. And why not do it here? So I discovered this podcast called The Bright Sessions. And the idea is that it's, and they call it this, an audio drama about therapy for the strange and unusual. So it's it's a fictionalized podcast where you're hearing sessions like uh, therapy sessions with people that have unusual abilities. And I don't want to give away too much, but it's really, really good. It's really fascinating. And I am totally addicted to it. I started at the beginning and I have been blowing through all the episodes. Um, they kind of release them in seasons. And the third season of this is coming back starting later this month in October. So you have a little bit of time to start at the beginning and get caught up if you want. But it's at thebrightsessions.com. That's the B-R-I-G-H-T sessions.com. And it is super cool. The first episode I really liked, but I'm not going to say too much about it because I don't want to give anything away. But it was the second episode, episode number two, that really, really hooked me into it. It is about um, this therapist treating uh, a high school kid who is an empath, who can feel everybody else's emotions around him. And... I mean, what better setting than a high school for a 16-year-old kid to be having a hard time dealing with his own feelings and emotions 
and then have to also deal with feeling everybody else's crazy hormonal emotions around him. And it was, I thought it was amazing. It was just so well acted by the guy doing the voice of the student. And it just seemed like such a logical place for someone to be having a hard time with something like this. So it really sucked me in and I can't stop listening. So if you're looking for a cool podcast to listen to the bright sessions at the bright sessions.com and uh, check it out. I think you should check it out too, Jason. Well, I will. I mean, you mentioned that to me the other day and I've already uh, looked at it, but I haven't listened yet. Oh, it is cool. It is very, very cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just liked it. So I thought maybe some of our listeners would dig it as well. All right, that is going to do it. So we'll be back in two weeks. We are taking next week off. Um, and then The Walking Dead comes back the Sunday after that. So we'll be recording on the Monday following. I think that's the 24th of October. And we'll be back to normal at that point. But in the meantime, if you want to give us a call, uh, you can do so by visiting TalkingDeadPodcast.com and clicking on Send Voicemail. You can also send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And uh, yeah, if you do have theories on Negan or you watch that clip from New York Comic Con, send those in. Want to hear what uh, everybody else thinks or, you know, if there's something in there that we missed, that would be awesome. And thanks to everyone for using our Amazon link, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. Visit that if you can and click on the store of your choice before you do your shopping at Amazon. A little bit goes a long way and it really, really helps everything we do here on the podcast. And of course, you can visit us on Patreon as well at patreon.com slash the talking dead. That is also a great way to help us out. All right, Jason, I look forward to the week off. I'm going to be in Hawaii. That's going Hawaii. to be awesome. Yeah, I leave for Hawaii tomorrow for work. I mean, there are worse places to go on business trips, I suppose. Like where? Pick a worse place, Chris. What's Win the worst place you could possibly go uh, on a work trip? <laughs> well, I went to Regina in the middle of winter once. That was pretty cold. That would be pretty cold. I didn't like that. I've been to Winnipeg in the winter. I've always gone to the prairies of Canada in the winter for some reason. I'm sure it's beautiful in the summer, but when it's minus 35 Celsius, it's not fun. It is not well, fun. Why don't you go to Hawaii in like February or something? Screw this going on October stuff. Cause it's just, you know, mostly warmer than it is here. But in February, that'd be really nice. It would be, but I don't really, unfortunately get to control like the work trips. So I have to fly 12 hours from here to Hawaii tomorrow and then do the same thing on Friday night next at the end of the week. So it's a pretty you're queuing up all the, all these podcasts that you recently found in order to listen to 17 episodes while you're flying over oh it's gonna be ocean. awesome yeah yeah it's gonna be amazing i i'm sure i will be at the end of the bright sessions before uh before i land it's gonna be great there you go so it's not like i won't have anything to do on the plane um but if you see me in hawaii say hi that would be very nice and uh that's that so thanks everyone until next time when we're talking about the walking dead episode uh, one of season seven that's gonna do it for us so uh until then my name is chris my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.